We now present Feasts and Seasons, presented by Joanna Bogle. Hello, this is Joanna Bogle with Feasts and Seasons. Now, as we come to the end of June, and we've already had Midsummer Day, so as I sometimes tell people gleefully, the nights are drawing in now, which is true, but there are still many long summer evenings ahead. As the end of June comes, we mark a very important feast, so important that it's a holy day of obligation. Obbles, my mother used to call them. Actually, the important thing is not so much the obligation as the holy day. It's an obligation precisely because it's such an important day. It's the feast of St. Peter and Paul. Now, as I'm saying this in the London of 2021, the bishops of our country have released us from the solemn obligation of going to Mass every Sunday and every holy day of obligation. Released us because of the coronavirus. The restrictions make it difficult, and so at the moment we're released from the serious obligation. But we really should get to Mass on this feast day of all feast days, St. Peter and Paul. And in fact, bishops all over the world are now beginning to say, come on, come back to Mass on Sundays too. So why is the feast of St. Peter and St. Paul so important? So important that even though June the 29th falls on an ordinary weekday, we really ought to get to Mass. Check out your local church and you'll find there are Masses available. You all know who St. Peter is. I'm saying that because you refers to so many people who, yes, sort of know who St. Peter is. The great fisherman, the man who was given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and by tradition, therefore, stands at the gate of heaven. Fewer and fewer people really know about the Christian faith in Britain, which is a great tragedy. But it used to be a sort of joke that people would say, when you meet St. Peter, meaning when you get to the gates of paradise, there was this idea that he holds the key, and therefore when you died, you would see him, and there he'd be letting you into heaven. Who was St. Peter? He was a fisherman. He was a fisherman, and he was introduced to Christ our Savior by his brother, Andrew, who told him, we have met the Lord. Andrew was saying, we have met the Messiah. We, we think this is the one who was to come. You see, the Jewish people, especially chosen and trained by God, brought to the promised land through the 40 years in the desert, knew, knew, because God had revealed it to them and taught them through the prophets, that one day the Messiah would be born, the son of David, of Jewish stock, of royal birth. And now, now it seemed as if this was the one. And so Andrew introduced his brother Peter to him. There, there on the shores of Galilee, Peter and Andrew were fishermen. They had a small fishing fleet, probably what today we'd call a small firm or a, or a cooperative. And they were doing quite well on it. Fishing was quite lucrative. Everybody needs to eat, and fish were plentiful in the sea. They had to mend their nets. They had to look after their little boats. But it wasn't a difficult job, more a hard-working and rugged one. And Peter follows the Lord. Following the information given by his brother, he's convinced, and he follows the Lord. We know an awful lot more about him. Every time Peter is mentioned in any of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, he's always mentioned first. He's always seen as the leader of the apostles. He's often seen as their spokesman. 
Sometimes he, along with James and John, form a sort of inner group within the apostles. For example, at the transfiguration, at the raising of Jairus' little daughter. And Peter is always important. After the glorious resurrection of Christ, he and others run to the tomb, run because Mary Magdalene has told them the astonishing news. And Peter goes in first. The others let him go in ahead. And he sees the empty tomb, and the gospel writers tell us, and he believed. There's always something special about Peter. He's mentioned, of course, too, far more often than any other apostle. Peter, Peter the prince of the apostles. And it is he who the scriptures tell us is given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. His name is changed. He was Simon, and his name is changed to Peter, which means a rock or, or something hewn from a rock, a sturdy, sturdy rock. You are Peter, and on this rock, this Peter, I will build my church. We still use the word Peter or petrified or turned to rock in ordinary speech. I was petrified, somebody might say, <laughs> meaning they stood stock still, couldn't move because they were so frightened. A rock, something absolutely solid, something immovable. So Peter becomes the rock on which the church is built. And it's because he has made an affirmation of faith. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter, the prince of the apostles, was eventually martyred for the faith. There's a lot of evidence to show that this is indeed where we think it was, in Rome. Rome, the capital of the empire. Christ told the apostles to take the gospel out to the known world. And Peter, we are fairly certain, made it as far as Rome. I remember once thinking about him. I was walking along the Tiber in Rome on a wonderful visit I was making there. And I remember thinking, imagine Peter walking along by this river in his homespun clothes and his sandals, maybe looking into the water and thinking, oh, there's good fishing there. And then, and then, oh, no, those days are over. We think he was martyred in the time of the Emperor Nero when so many Christians were martyred. And the tradition is that he was going to be crucified, but insisted that he be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to suffer the same fate as his beloved master, our Savior Christ. What about St. Paul? Paul was not one of the twelve, not one of those apostles called directly by Christ. Paul, his first name was Saul, was one who persecuted the Christians. He was an observant Jew, and he didn't think Christ was the Messiah. He thought he was a false prophet. And for that rather good reason, if you really believed that he was false, he persecuted the Christians. And then he had this dramatic conversion. He was on his way to Damascus, where he was going to find some more groups of Christians and harry and bully them, stop them believing in this false prophet. And he was suddenly struck down, blinded, and he heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And it was Christ. Persecute me. You see, in persecuting the church, the Christians, you are persecuting Christ. It was Christ himself, and the light was so bright that Saul was blinded, and the whole of the rest of the story goes on from there, how eventually he was received kindly by Christians and became the greatest preacher of all. It was Paul who took the gospel to all the people that we now know because of his letters to them later, the Colossians, the Ephesians. There's a whole story about Paul's preaching. And today, 
Every time we hear his epistles, we learn again the teaching of the church. He expands it and teaches it. And his letters make it clear, this is what I taught you. Now I'm reinforcing it. You must read this letter aloud. You must ponder what you've been taught. You must pray. You must remain faithful. He's writing to the people at Corinth, the Corinthians. He's writing to the Ephesians. This is the city of Ephesus, which had once worshipped the false goddess Diana of the Ephesians. He's teaching the truth of the gospel. And there's something more. In his journeys, he begins to teach us that we too must be missionaries. And since Paul's time, the gospel has been taken across the world. Yes, it reached our country, Britain, probably in the days of the Roman Empire. And then it had to be taught here again after the empire fell and we were invaded by the Saxons and Angles uh, from the parts of Germany that were outside the empire. And then it had to be taught again and again, and it's still being taught anew today. And the gospel has spread. One story tells us that St. Thomas, the doubting apostle who became so faithful, took the gospel to India. We don't know. We do know that Peter, Prince of the Apostles, has his successor in Rome today, our Pope Francis. May St. Peter and St. Paul pray for us and celebrate their feast day on June the 29th. You're listening to Auntie Joanna, Joanna Bogle on Feasts and Seasons. Tune in to Auntie Joanna on Feasts and Seasons on... Sunday, 6.30pm, Tuesday, 4.30pm, Saturday, 2.30am, Saturday, 8.30pm. And send us any of your stories. Tell us how you celebrate the feasts and seasons of the church's year. Any family traditions? What do you do, make, eat and sing for the different feasts of the year? What will you be doing for the feasts that are coming up? Send us your stories at info at radiomariaengland.uk.